Welcome to another episode of Rotating Reels. I'm one of your hosts, Taylor May, and with me is Hank the Tank, Hank the Prank. Hank, what's up? So, you're Jesus? <laughs> also on the line, I'm fiending for some Keegan. What's up, Keegan? <laughs> Who invited Candyman and why is he my favorite character? <laughs> Today, we got a, a film I chose. It's called The Man from Earth. It's one of my favorite films dialogue heavy which we've been lacking in our films lately uh, but before we go into all the details all the spoiler non-spoiler stuff first i want to remind everybody we got a patreon it's up and running we got a patron uh, so if you want to go and join that hear all the really cool stuff we're doing on our patreon uh, you can find that at rotatingreels.com yeah if we get 10 more patrons i'll start uploading all of the uh, juiciest taylor outtakes from every episode <laughs> what? I didn't agree to this. <laughs> oh no. Taylor doesn't believe in wearing masks. What the Oh, we have to restart the episode. <laughs> good, yeah, good. <laughs> good edit, edit that out, please. That's for the Patreon listeners only. Uh, so before 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 we jump into all that good stuff, let's go over what we've been watching. Hank, you got anything good you watched? I actually this week? had a shamefully light week, so I'm starting to feel bad for how much I've made fun of Keegan. So as I mentioned last week, <laughs> a lot of Psyche K on my TV. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I, I've harped on it a bit, but I'm going to continue to because people need to go out and watch it, buy the manga, watch the reboot. Um, Psyche K, really great, outstandingly wholesome show. Like, but not like grossly wholesome. Like, you know, like it sets things up like they're going to be kind of nasty and then they hit you with the wholesome ending. Like whenever they introduce like a character that's kind of like a punk or a delinquent and then they turn out to have like a heart of gold love that shit or like when they show friends eating dessert and they all chip in so that their other friend who didn't get any can have some of his own melts my heart my, my heart every time so uh overall really wholesome animation's fantastic really likable cast of characters um my girlfriend is watching it with me and she's not normally a huge anime fan like she she's not like anti-anime but she hasn't watched all that much of it and i think whenever you can get someone that's like not already really into anime to start like binging an anime series with you you know that's a winner mm -hmm. so uh anyway <laughs> check out the disastrous life of psyche k check out the disastrous life of psyche k reawakened that's all i've been really watching on tv this week um I, I know, like, n not that much. Um, you know, after, like, all the docu-series recently, I was like, oh, man, I need, like, a little bit of a docu-series break. I need some more fiction in my life. So been largely an anime binge. Um, I haven't started watching it yet, but I just became aware of a new Netflix anime that is pretty soon going to be in my what I've been w listening to. Uh, Netflix just produced an anime, or at least it's distributing an anime called Yasuke. It's about, like, a famous uh, samurai from Japanese history that was uh he was he was like a slave from Africa who became a samurai uh who like directly reported to Lord Nobunaga um who's a very famous Japanese general so uh anyway really excited for that haven't gotten around to watching it yet Taylor you have a question that's a true story uh, it's, it's kind of like a a legendary story with uh elements that are historically verified um yeah got it okay Dude, and Lakeith Stanfield is voicing. What more yeah, can you right? ask for? Looks awesome. Animation looks super sick too. Um, besides that, literally not a single movie that I watched this week. Besides uh, this week's review, The Man from Earth. So instead of movies, I'm just going to drop a quick plug. Uh, started my next Yakuza game this this week. Yakuza Kiwami. 
Um, it's a remake of the first Yakuza game from the PlayStation 2 era, so I expected it to be, like, a little bit, like, you know, like, jankier Yakuza, you know, like, it doesn't have all of those advances that the other ones I've played that have been made originally for the PlayStation 4 have, but man, oh man, was I wrong. Like, really a masterful job done on this remake. It's really clear they put a lot of effort into the localization work, uh, really clear that they put a lot of effort to make, like, kind of the quality of life things from later in the series appear in an earlier game without completely breaking it. So, uh, overall, really loving that, and uh, as always... Everyone keep your eyes out for my eight-hour-long Yakuza series overview special that we're going to be putting out on Patreon <laughs> when I finish the series. Um, but anyway, that's what I've been watching slash playing this week. Uh, it's a light week, but uh, that's, that's, what, that's what I got. Hey, that's all right. That's all right. Everybody gets a light week every now and then. Keeks, <laughs> did you have a light week? Uh, I'd say it's a medium week. Watched a couple things. Okay. <clears throat> so... Talked about the show in the past. It's called Marvel Assembled. Um, so what they're doing with these new MC, well, I guess, is it Marvel Cinematic Universe? I guess Marvel Cinematic and Television Universe. Whenever they have a new show, they will drop a behind-the-scenes uh, documentary on this like assembled platform, which is like essentially a series of short one-hour docs. Um, the first one was Assembled, WandaVision. I loved WandaVision. I think everyone on this podcast would really benefit from checking it out. I think it's a show... <clears throat> that really benefited from having some behind the scenes because I think there's a lot of super interesting technical things that they did, right? They went through mm. 70 different period correct lenses when they filmed it during certain sequences that were, you know, they interviewed Dick Van Dyke for, for certain stuff to be period correct. He had never heard of Marvel. He didn't know anything about it. Um, <laughs> like they even had a live studio audience for a lot of stuff and asked that they wear period correct clothes to get the characters in or get the actors in character as they're they're doing this essentially wow. like single camera stage play. So just really really interesting stuff um and then i was so obviously i had pretty high expectations but i liked wandavision and i didn't really like falcon and the winter soldier that much there's not a lot that you're gonna get from it and i think the best elements of that new show is that it approaches a lot of topics about race so i wanted a lot of conversations with the writers and i really didn't give us much of that and they had some interesting mm -hmm. stuff about how like the pandemic, this was the first show that they filmed that was really impacted by the pandemic and, you know, organized, like having this major company scramble to work through different like guidelines. Overall, like it wasn't super interesting and I felt like it really leaned heavily on a lot of footage from the original show, which I didn't think is particularly interesting. So don't watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier and don't watch the, the follow-up behind the scenes documentary. I think at this point I'm like a completionist, so I kind of have no choice, but yeah. ugh. It's pretty whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I heard pretty mixed things about it. I don't know if I'm going to even try it, honestly. There's just so much out yeah, there. I, yeah, I haven't seen any of the Captain America movies, and I don't intend to watch the Falcon versus the Winter Soldier as a result. Yeah, no, it's definitely, you know, again, if you guys have the time, I think, hey, you've watched WandaVision, though, right? Taylor, you haven't? No, I, I watched WandaVision. Oh, other way around. Hank, what are you doing, man? This is completely up your alley. I know, I, love I, know. It. I just, it, it, there's so much stuff to watch, and I am failing to watch so much of it. Stop giving me shit. So <laughs> many Yakus to be Zod. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, two other things. I checked out a pilot for what is now an HBO show. It's called Warrior. Started out on Cinemax, uh, which is like a subsidiary of HBO. And then once HBO Max came out, HBO announced that they would not be having any Cinemax originals. And this is one of the shows that kind of got left by the wayside. Um, it's a 
Western set in San Francisco in like the late 1800s. So it's we're kind of right after this the Civil Wars ended, <clears throat> and it centers on a bunch of Chinese immigrants that are they're uh, Cantonese speaking. They're usually from Hong Kong, and they've come over to San Francisco as laborers by boat. And it's just the wild, wild west. We have a lot of upset Irish settlers that are living in San Francisco at the time that are also like uh, bricklayers, and they're all like in the poor parts of town, and they're all just a lot of hostility between all these different groups. There's different Chinese gangs there. Um, and we're focused on one guy who is kind of a stand-in for Bruce Lee because this story was written or kind of comprised of different writings that Bruce Lee had put together. He had kind of envisioned if he lived longer, he would play this role that was kind of a self-insert for himself. But we have a guy, he shows up as a laborer, he can fight and he joins in with some of the gangs trying to find what we later find in the end of the first episode is his sister. And it's really interesting, really good fights. Um, the guy from Mortal Kombat, Bihan, is like the one of the, the rival gang leaders. And he takes a kick to the chest so hard and blocks it so well, <clears throat> he sends the guy kicking him through the wall because he stands his ground so hard. And I judge martial art shows by like, how much I consider signing up for martial art classes afterwards. And I was on my phone <laughs> looking up Portland area martial art studios the whole time. So this is really, really sick. It's it's going to get renewed for a third season at HBO. And it's very like HBO Cinemax. There's like boobs everywhere. There's like gongs <laughs> all over the place. Very, very violent. So gongs I was or certain. Thongs? Uh, what was that? Gongs or thongs? Bolt. Gongs, thongs, and dongs. Ooh, all three. Nice, nice. <laughs> so we're in HBO territory. Skinamax, <laughs> man. So yeah, I would check that out. I'm only on the pilot, but or I, I only watched the pilot. And then the last thing I watched is a new movie. It's on theaters. Uh, it's called Nobody, and it's basically like, what if uh, Bob Odenkirk was in the John Wick franchise? Uh, I really like the John Wick franchise, and I like it because it's good, and nobody is not good. <laughs> There's... <laughs> Like, not much redeeming quality about this. It's, like, the everyman who secretly has a past working as, like, an insurgent. He has all these crazy abilities. We've seen it a million times. The best thing about this movie is it has some crazy beat drops. The premise of it is that, like, he's really into dad music. So it's a lot of, like, 80s dad rock and, like, pop rock from the times. And it's, like, very, I'd say, like, Edgar Wright, Shot of the Dead-y. Like, with the, mm. the fight scene with Queen. It, very reminiscent yeah. of that and like a lot of like odd beat hits which is really fun um so i think this is like a fun one on streaming similar to mortal Kombat. it's like a good action movie that you guys can throw on and just kind of like mindlessly enjoy but i i saw it for free because i have uh the regal subscription service so i paid like 21 dollars a month i could see endless movies so if you have something like that you know it's definitely fun but i would not pay anything more than than oh, free man. i was really hoping <laughs> it'd be good i love bob Odenkirk. It's he's not bad by any means. It's just in a world where we have three John Brick movies, it's not essential. Yeah, you know, fair enough. You know, I love Bob, but he's no Keanu. He's no Keanu, certainly. What? So I've I haven't watched any of the John Wick movies. Can I? Do I need to watch them in order? Is that helpful? It helps, yeah, significantly. At least the first one. Plus, like they're worth watching in order. Like, like why would you ever skip the first one? Yeah. Well, I didn't like, know. That's what I'm saying. Like maybe no, the, the first, first one sucked, is second brilliant. one was good, and then the second one is brilliant, and then the third one is is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Yeah. It's going on my list. So that's it. Just uh, the three this week, Taylor. Okay. All right. Yeah, you guys did do some light weeks. I I had a pretty good week, man. Um, watched more Chappelle's show, 
that guy he only did two seasons and it gets crazier and crazier <laughs> and crazier I, I i love it there's not that i like love all the points he makes but i just love how he is totally fine to go out there and air a clip in front of his live studio audience and have them not think it's funny and then he <laughs> thinks it's hilarious that they don't think it's funny that it's just it's great um i also finished the uh, john adams that hbo kind of mini series so I can't get over because, you know, it follows them very realistically. So their teeth start to turn gross, oh, gross. and their skin starts to get gross because these people had really rough lives. When John Adams was going to the Constitutional Convention from Boston to Philadelphia, he just rode his horse. It was just him, John Adams, by himself on a horse, riding a horse to go. do. So these people had tough lives and they were not shy about showing it. And it was I really, really admire it because, you know, all the actors are talking with their lips over their teeth because everybody was – that was the thing people did because they were embarrassed about their teeth. And so whenever you see these teeth, it's distracting. They're black. They're missing teeth. It's just – it literally, once these people hit 60 years old, their bodies are falling apart. And at 70, they look like walking corpses, like just the hair's gone and just skin tags everywhere. It's just terrible. Um, So that got a bit distracting, but I liked it. That led me to watch um, a French uh, two-part movie series from 1989, I think, um, called La Révolution Française. So have fun putting that Fuck in the show, show notes, <laughs> Keegan. <laughs> um, and it's it's really good. It's uh, it's just the story of the French Revolution. The first one is called um, Years of Hope. So it's two, like, three-and-a-half-hour movies. Um, not a good format. They should have thought of miniseries, but they didn't. Uh, so then the second one's called The Terror. Um, or the time of terror or whatever. Um, and it's really good. It's, it's the story so complex that it makes it hard to have a character you follow the whole time through it because they, first off, they just start killing people. So that makes it hard to have characters that stay around. Um, but the production values are crazy. I mean, hundreds, probably thousands of extras and scenes all in period clothes. Everything is trying to make it look like, this is what these people were literally doing to the best of our knowledge and everything else. So um, just for the spectacle alone, pretty great. But if you're not interested in like the event, the time period, I can see how it'd be kind of hard to be that interested because there's really no character development whatsoever. Um, and then I watched that Sasquatch true crime series. Loved it. Loved it. It's like it's like a, a how-to to be a journalist also because it's all from the perspective of this investigative journalist. And he shows, you know, he's trying to find – he's got this one lead going, but he wants to find another angle to get another lead on the same story. And it's just really cool to watch his process in addition to the crazy shit that the story yeah. is telling. Oh, I, I just um, want to ask you a quick question. Go ahead. So the host, uh, David Holbrook, I think his name is, like – when you mm-hmm. first saw him, when I first saw him, I was like, I'm I'm not sure I'm interested in anything this man has to tell me. Like, I might listen, but it's going to be like, this is a crazy man, and I'm obligated to listen. But as I went on, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this dude's actually not all, like, he just has, like, a weird sense of style. Like, he's actually, like, you know, like, he's, like, kind of, like, a weird, like, stonery dude, but, like, he's not, like... Yeah. Anyway, did you experience that same kind of uh, evolution? Well, yeah, because it... Because it starts with him telling the story, right? And we don't know who he is. And actually, I um, when they go into more depth about his previous journalistic work, I recognize it. Like, oh, you know what? I've heard of this story. So I kind of read some of his pieces um, in between the, the episodes. Um, and so I kind of established he was like a, a journalist that was doing reputable work. But 
it's so interesting because he said, you know, he says that his whole life he's been investigating criminals, basically. And he just it like he goes down to, you know, uh, I forget what city he was in, but some city was a gang war going on like L.A. or something. And he embeds with both of the gangs. So he, there's a gang war going on of like Hispanic gangs. And he's hanging out with the guys one time. Then he goes to the other neighborhood. He's hanging out with those guys. And he's just getting their perspective on running a gang war. So he says, like. You know, I've always been very comfortable with criminals. And he begins to, like, explain why that's the case and everything else. Um, and I – all of that, like, learning more about him, I was like, okay, this – you know, there's a, there's a scene where he meets a guy he doesn't know and they're in the woods and the guy starts using some pretty hard racial slurs. Not at him, just in, to reference <laughs> other people. Oh, no. And the guy talks about how they killed some people. And he goes, so, you know, am I in danger being here? And you can tell, like, this guy has been in situations where he has legitimately been in danger before, and he knows how to appreciate it. So, like, just same thing with Tiger King when they interviewed that uh, that that uh, drug running guy that inspired um, Scarface in Miami, and they're talking to him about the murders from Tiger King. Like, I I'm gonna consider this guy's perspective on murder and criminality, right? He knows way more about it than I do. So I yeah I I thought I thought after that initial scene we learned more about him I thought this is a reputable guy to be telling this bizarre story. Yeah, I, oh, I was just gonna say they show like a number of, of of photos of him like embedded <clears throat> with various gangs, hate groups, etc. And like up until that point you're like who Militias. is this guy? And then you see those pictures and you're like oh wait no he's the real deal he's 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 out there up to something you know. Yeah, he he is heavily discounting the future. This man, like, he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> well, I guess a question for you guys about that. So you made the comparison with Tiger King, and one thing I really like: Tiger King is fun, but it's like a really bad documentary in my opinion. And something that was like super distracting to me is like they went in with a premise, and they got like the entire premise now becomes that they're sidetracked, and they're just like so in this cult cult of personality of these different like zoo owners, and it like very much stops being about. The treatment of the cats which is like fine and i agree tell like it's a more interesting story but do you think is there like a better sense of focus here than there is in tiger king 100 percent. this guy is okay. a legit journalist in that he's just trying to figure stuff out i think for his own like initially he's like trying to figure out for himself and he you know he's constantly like he's talking to people that some of them are nuts some of them are violent criminals or were in the past um and he's listening to what they're saying and considering them, but he's also cross-checking everything, man. I mean, like hmm. he, I, I got a really strong sense that he, if he is lying, he's, he's a very convincing liar. I think more likely he's trying to get to the bottom of this story that he heard about some people getting killed by a Sasquatch and that's hmm. it. That's like, he's, I want to know what the fuck that was all about. And I'm going to fall. And because he's, totally fine being in risky situations he follows that rabbit hole all the way to the bottom i mean he gets to where he pulls the curtain behind the wizard and shows what the fuck actually happened gets real people that know about this instance to talk about it and it was you know from 93 and he, he just made this so like he he he's the real deal i think i think he's like a what a what a archetypal journalist ought to be for That's for this sick. kind of journalism not sports journalism yeah, obviously definitely no i'm like super on board after hearing your guys like I, I both weeks you guys have talked about it so i'm i'm stoked yeah. to check this out it's good man yeah, it's definitely good. it's on hulu um, right? and yeah yeah okay. it's on hulu and actually that that reminds me um, listeners if you do subscribe to our patreon we got a special patreon episode this week it's very short um, and it's about how terrible the Hulu app is relative to other streaming apps. So if you're interested in that, 
go ahead and subscribe to the Patreon. The last thing I watched was Disney Plus, Sigourney Weaver, The Secrets of Wales. And it's it's not as good as like a David Attenborough one. The script's a little weird. But man, whales are cool. <laughs> whales are so cool. And their back, humpbacks are at like pre-whaling levels. They do all kinds of crazy smart shit. They cooperate with strangers. They do bubble netting. It's awesome. So if you want to see some really cool footage of whales doing whale things, highly recommend The Secrets of Whales, narrated by Sigourney you Weaver. See- I thought you were talking about the island of whales. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused. I just Google searched the wrong I'm thing. I'm conflicted on that one because, like, I really like Sigourney Weaver. You know, I'm an alien fan. Of course I do. I also mm-hmm. really like whales. But the thing, like, whenever I'm watching something made about whales, I'm like, leave the fucking whales alone, man. Like, just just go away. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. Well, so they actually... Um, they have a scene where a guy is with like a br- infant whale. It's like just been born and he's, you know, they're hanging out. He's, he's uh, snorkeling on the surface and they're, you know, 50 whatever feet down. And the little baby like comes up, little baby, it's like as big as a car. <laughs> it like comes up to him and it's like checking him out and it's looking at him like real close. I mean like feet away. And then it goes back down to its mom and then it like rests its head on its mom and like looking at the guy. And so like, I, you know, I don't know the background behind all the stuff they do, but having been, I've been in a situation where I was on a boat and a baby humpback whale and its mom in really shallow water came right under the catamaran we were on. And the baby started like jumping right next to the boat and was just like checking us out, hanging out with us. So I'm, I'm trusting that these marine biologists are letting the whales do what the whales want to do. And if they get a good shot, they get a good shot. That's that's my hope. But you're right. I I don't I, I wouldn't want to see them chasing them in boats or anything like that to get a shot. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not like I haven't seen it. I can't like totally condemn it. You know, they might have built it in like a totally reputable and, you know, like good to the whales way. I just like whenever I see some of those things like, you know, planet Earth, they do it right. They do it like from very, very far away with like intense zoom lenses they're using, you know, like actual optics made for that. But I, I, like for other mm-hmm. things, I always have that worry. Like, are they just like driving right up to them and just like getting all up in their business? Like, is that whale just like going about its day and they're like, hey, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you see people like yeah. jump well, on and try to like they hold on to the fin or something. And just they're very like too touchy feely with it, you know? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also, you know, they, this, this, uh, I think it was that same pair, that mom and the calf, but they show them down in Antarctica later, you know, the baby's almost a year old at this point and fucking orcas come and the, the orcas, it's a mom orca with a baby. And she goes after the baby whale who's off away from the mom just to see if it's like weak. And the baby like chases them back and then like runs to the mom and stuff. So, so I think if they were, if there was a diver around them, they really felt threatened. Like, I think they can protect themselves with their big tail. So, yeah. uh, but again, you know, maybe, maybe PETA will tell us that it was all terrible and they tortured the whales. I don't know, but the visuals are great. And I, I trust Sigourney's judgment on this. One. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would trust Sigourney Weaver with my life, but maybe we've spent enough time on whales. <laughs> is it time to talk about the man yes, from earth? Yeah, it is. Let's do it. Let's talk about the man from earth. You're right. I'm droning on. Man from Earth. I'm going to read the IMDb blurb again as we get into the non-spoiler section. So, the blurb is, An impromptu goodbye party for a professor becomes a mysterious interrogation after a retiring scholar reveals to his colleagues he has a longer and stranger past than they can imagine. So, like I said, this is a really dialogue-heavy movie. It's basically a play. It almost all takes place in one living room. Um, So, I think 
we can we can do non-spoilers first. And that's gonna be pretty short because most of the stuff's the dialogue, and that's interesting, and you don't want to reveal any of it. So, first impressions, uh, Keegan. Let's go to you. What were your first impressions, and is this a movie you think people should watch? Yeah, first impressions were really bad, actually. I so no, no. I didn't know what I was looking for at first. So I it was I I like searched the Man from Earth streaming to jog my mind of what I should be watching it on. Found my way to the IMDb page, saw that it was made for $200,000. I was like, wow, very small. Oh, my God, it's a tiny little budget. So I was already kind of intrigued there. Um, so I started watching. I already had this kind of preconceived notion of, like, this is cheaply made. Just be aware of that. And, oh, my God, you start this movie, and this is the fucking worst ADR I have ever heard <laughs> in my life, right? We have, like, seven characters who are outside, and they're, you know, pulling up outside of a cabin, and they sound like they're sitting in a walk-in closet together. Like, it's so clear that they've just recorded it over. Like, yeah. and I don't want to harp on this, but to the point where it was, like, super distracting. And anytime someone turns their back to the camera, you could tell they re-recorded that dialogue to have extra, like, just extra, like, audio coverage, essentially. Whatever, you get used to it. And the fact that, like, most of the movie's interior anyways is completely fine. <laughs> so I generally... Yeah, it's exterior movie, shots, mostly. It's, it gets rough outside, but most of the movie is not outside. And I think this is totally a movie that you should check out if, like, something akin to, like, a science fiction play is something that you think you'd be interested in, right? You said it's, it's very much like a play, and I think, like, that's very true. You have seven six or seven characters that are constantly in a room together it's all dialogues right nothing is really happening that couldn't be done on a stage um and so you know if that's the kind of thing that you're interested in too is just sitting back and mostly kind of listening to this movie i think you'll really get a lot out of it i the other fault that i would give is i think at times it might think it's a little bit smarter than it is and sometimes i have that feeling where i'm like is this smarter than me and I'm dumb or is this thing taking itself <laughs> a little too seriously? And to protect my ego, I'm going to say it thinks it's a little smarter than it is. But overall, really interesting questions that are brought up and some stuff that like, you know, you'd said you'd watch this quite a few times and I could see watching it and really kind of questioning some stuff about yourself, right? There's, this is about as close to spoilers as I can get, but there's some, some questions that are asked of a character about recounting memories and the reliability of those memories. And like, you know, when you were a kid, did your mother take you to the market? How far was it from your house? Do you remember any compass direction that that could have been? If you went back now 20 years later, what would it look like? And I was like, man, that's a really interesting thing to sit about and just contextualize in my own life and how reliable are my own experiences to the person that I am right now. So, you know, yeah. if you want to watch a, a sub 90 minute play that's going to make you kind of have some, some big existential questions, man, I can't think of a better way to spend it than watching this. Yay. Hank, yeah, what do you so think? I, I was also a little bit, uh, you know, put off at first. Um, not for the same reason as Keegan. Um, the audio work, <laughs> like, I've seen smaller productions. I'm used to the audio being bad. I feel like the audio is the first thing to go in a lot of cases. So, like, I heard that, but I was like, eh. But uh, the big thing for me, and this is totally no fault of the movie, or anyone involved in it but i just don't really like dramas a lot of the time and you know like i was like I, I had heard this is going to take place in one room and i'm like well this better be fucking good you know <laughs> like they better have a great room um but um <laughs> which is hilarious because they take the furniture out they like do. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway i was watching it and i was like oh man i'm in here for a drama thankfully 
you know, God bless, it's less than 90 minutes, and I can do just about anything for, like, 84 minutes, you know? Um, <laughs> but, uh, not really, though. I actually have very, very small amount of patience. If, you know, if anyone that's listening knows me, and they're like, Hank, that's not at all true. I, I, I'll give that one to you. But anyway, anyway, but I was pretty quickly turned around on it, because, like, when I say I don't really like dramas, I, I, I'm usually going in expecting it to be like, oh, you cheated on me with Billy Jean? I did, but it wasn't love. <laughs> you know, like I expect something like kind of yeah, soapy yeah, yeah. And, and absurd. Not that at all. This is like, you know, a thought experiment being played out by like historians and anthropologists. And like they do it pretty faithfully. Um, you know, like they, they, they really do explore it. They, they make like a lot of the dialogue fairly organic in a believable way. And there's nothing in it where I'm just like, yeah, I've seen every word of this conversation before with, you know, like swapped out names and stamps. You know, there, there's nothing in it like that. So I, you yeah. know, I went in expecting something that was like maybe a little bit of a brainy take on something I had seen before. And I didn't like the idea of that. And that wasn't what I got. So I was like super thrilled by that. And then once I actually kind of got in the rhythm of like, okay, so like this is kind of science fiction-y, it's got some good big questions, then I really kind of got into it. And I was pretty enthralled throughout like the rest of the movie. Like if I needed, I needed to like pause it at one point to go use the restroom. And I was pretty disappointed that I needed to pause it. Um, I was like, it's just, it's just <laughs> that important um, that I need to go. But like, if it wasn't, you know, I would still be here watching it, you know? It was a matter of urgency. So anyway, uh, overall, I, I really enjoyed it, even though I really didn't expect to. You know, I was like, I got to watch it for the podcast. But, you know, I probably wouldn't be watching it just on a recommendation. But I'm glad I did. You know, maybe I, sh maybe I should uh, take more people's recommendations. I, I, I enjoyed it pretty thoroughly. But Taylor, you, you, your first impression was years ago. Can you, can you, can you tell us about that? Yeah. I thought the exact same thing. That I, I was going to tolerate the low budget it's like you know it's basically a play and that's the the outside audio is i yeah it doesn't sound great but you know two hundred thousand bucks i wouldn't have done any better so it's fine and then i got in there and at first they start they start this conversation and some of the dialogue every once in a while is a little stiff and i kind of chalked it up to like I, it's pretentious dialogue sometimes but professors could often be pretentious people especially yeah. about their area of expertise right and so I kind of, I, I think the same exact experience you guys had. The first was, eh, I don't know about this. I think this is going to be some trope that I've heard a million times. And I was blown away. I was blown away by the way the mystery went and that I thought they weren't going to be as brave as they were with how far they went with it. They had no problems doing that. And the more you learned, the more questions I wanted to have answered. So I, I'm excited to get into non-spoilers because I think we could talk for hours and hours about the questions that they have. Um, the only other non-spoilery kind of stuff that I really wanted to say was that we can't talk too much about the cinematography, the effects, the lighting, the sound, all that stuff, because it's just not what the film's about. The film is about characters and about dialogue, and it's a it's basically a sci-fi movie that does all of its exposition and interesting things through dialogue as opposed to special effects. Mm -hmm. And so that, that alone carries the weight of the movie. I don't even have any comments on cinematography or anything, honestly. Um, so that's kind of all I have non spoilery 
Is there anything else non-spoiler you guys wanted to have? Any of those other areas of the, of the movie? Yeah, um, one thing I want to, or actually two things I want to bring up. First of all, like Taylor said, you can't talk about the special effects. There are none to talk about. And, you know, the cinematography, all perfectly passable. It was, you know, the, the movie's not a visual movie by any means. Like, if they did something more fancy with the cinematography... I think it would probably be to the detriment of the film, honestly, uh, because I think that it would lose a little bit of focus. Um, but the other thing I want to bring up is the casting of the film, which I thought was really good um, because they had like a, uh, when I say diverse, I don't really mean it in like the modern sense. I mean like kind of diverse in terms of like the styles people are wearing and like the age groups of people involved. Like it's, it, it, it is, you know there is uh there are some like uh people of color in the film but it's not like an ethnically or sexually diverse film but like the actual characters like as they're represented their motivations are fairly diverse in the film i thought they did a really good job with that mm -hmm. and on top of that uh a lot of them i was actually really interested in hearing from a lot of the movie is like people asking questions and having responses and there are a lot of people who, like, at the beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, this guy's kind of annoying. And by the end, I was like, wait, no, I do want to hear Dan's question. You know? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, diversity in personality, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, there is some ethnic diversity, but um, diversity in beliefs, which is so central to what... I mean, you know, it almost feels a little bit like they could just pick, okay, we want to do... Uh, we want to ask interesting questions. Let's get a bunch of professors from every different discipline, you know, art history, anthropology, archaeology, whatever, biology together. Um, but it's so cool because they all have such different personalities. Some of them are kind of dicks. Some of them are kind of gross, but it totally fits within the character, yeah, I think. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. I think, and also, I think, like, the diversity is not, like, a huge sticking point for me because I feel like, well, the movie's away in, like, 2007, right? This feels very emblematic of what a you know, a 2007 group of college professors would probably look like, right? Like, yeah. I think it, it, yeah. it kind of makes sense and lines up. Yeah. Yeah, and then also one... And I guess... So... Oh, sorry. I was going to say also, I was going to go... Another thing on the casting real quick I was going to say is that um, we have a, a... This isn't a huge spoiler, but we have someone show up, like, maybe 10, 15 minutes into the movie, and he's... I don't, who's the guy on the bike? What's What's his area of study? He's the archaeologist. Okay, yeah. So the archaeologist shows up. He's kind of this like, you know, quarter life or midlife crisis guy. Like he he bought a, a bike and he's dating like one of his students. And I actually think that like her character is not like nearly as ditzy or like just filling air as she could have been. Like I think she was actually she very much was like this young graduate student who was like definitely not on par with the people who were in the area of study, but like definitely brought some like interesting questions to it that I think the others weren't thinking about. So I thought it was like, from that perspective, they could have made her really dumb and annoying and like taken a very easy route with her. But she was, I, she was a very interesting addition in my opinion. Yeah, no, at first I, I had the exact same reaction was I was like, this could be a little weird and annoying. And she was one of the most interesting characters. She yeah. asked some of the most interesting questions in the whole, the whole movie. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So one last thing I want to say is that, you know, as as Taylor and Keegan have both mentioned, a lot of the characters in the movie are kind of subject matter experts in their respective fields. And I thought that they did a pretty fair job of representing that, you know, like they had the archaeologist chime in at appropriate moments, the anthropologist chime in at appropriate moments. Uh, they had a psychologist who was a little bit goofy. Um, like, I don't know if I've, I've met a lot of psychologists exactly like him, but he was chiming in at moments and, you know, like bringing up things I thought he might. I thought all of that was done pretty well. Um, and I can't believe that I'm 
going to say this next bit, but the one person who I thought needed a little bit more justice done for them was the biblical literalist, because like in general, I don't really I, I don't really agree with those people. I'm I'm an atheist, you know. I don't really believe in anything about that, and I think there's a whole lot of translation, yada yada yada. But like every time she chimed in, like she didn't sound like a well-studied individual on like biblical study she sounded like someone you see on your facebook feed being like but no that doesn't really quite fit in with my worldview and at least i thought they were presenting her as like a member of like this highly educated people and even if you are a biblical literal biblical literalist you're going to have a pretty solid background of like some of like the anthropological history behind like what is happening in in the in the bible and she was not represented that way in in, in my opinion you know like every pretty much every line she yeah. had was pretty much just her saying something to be shot down and to be clear like even <laughs> though i don't really agree with anything like she would have said and i probably would have you know been one of those people shooting it down what i didn't believe was that there was a character there that was bringing arguments that were so easy to kind of like, you know, backhand aside, you know? Um, yeah. Then again, yeah. it is a movie about like a lot of college professors uh, that, you know, seem to be from like a relatively like modern background. So like, I do totally believe that they wouldn't be super accepting of like the Christian point of view. And like that, you know, if someone was bringing that up, like they might all behave like that. I didn't really think everyone else's responses were weird. I just thought it was weird that they included a character that was a biblical literalist that had so little nuance to like what she actually believed. Um, yeah. But she, yeah, she's I... the art history professor, I think. And, and most of the time her expertise is just in, you're right passing comments about different artists at different points in history or whatever so like yeah yeah hey i made a face because i have that exact same note from when i was watching the movie i feel like she her the points that she brought are just the least developed and i like she's not like a theology professor like i feel like she brings this from her personal perspective so i could totally get that it's not as like developed as the questions that she's asking about the artwork throughout his house but it really frustrated me because i feel like if that character was well written, she probably could have brought up the most interesting questions of the entire group. But then, you know, for better or for worse, I forget the guy's name, but the guy that plays Candyman is usually the one that is pushing him the most to have like the most, uh, not poking holes, but I guess is asking the most interesting questions. So I was super bummed out too, because I think given the premise, I think that character could have been a lot more helpful in the, you know, a, a more helpful player, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Again, though, I don't want this to be, like, a huge detriment to the plot frame. Because she's not, like, a huge part of the movie. I, I honestly think she could have been excluded um, without losing a lot. Like, I, I think it was just, like, a little bit lacking in taste, like, the way she was portrayed. But it wasn't, like, you know, the, there was a huge part of the movie that was just, like, mocking biblical liter literalists for no apparent reason. Like, you know, the, the discussions they were having were warranted. It wasn't a big part of the movie. And it wasn't, like horribly gross it was just kind of like you spent so much time making all these other people work so well and then you just kind of went like and she's there <laughs> yeah i did think at some level her character was a good addition because the mysteries that we learn about and unravel in the movie that we'll talk about in a moment um are i think would be very upsetting to a mm -hmm. lot of people i i you know i i recognized uh other people's grandmothers that I know that I'm, I'm positive would react in the same way that woman did to hearing something like this. Um, but 
that said, that wasn't, you know, everybody else is there for their expertise, right? And she's an art history professor and her expertise, this is now we're involving something in her personal life. So uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I, if she had been a the theology professor or something, mm -hmm. I think you're right. I think it could have worked a little better, but I will say her outfits, my favorite in the, in the whole <laughs> show. I love art, old, old, old kind of crazy, like art, art lady outfits are always my absolute favorite. So that was that was she had the best outfits. At least they gave her that. Yeah, no, I, I'll agree with that. And she had some pretty funny lines on the front end of the film um, that weren't really yeah. at her expense. You know, like funny she was she was cracking cracking lines, cracking jokes. But I think yeah, at this point we've really danced around spoilers for a while. So I'm gonna stop saying non-spoiler yeah. stuff. Let's do it. Let's go into spoilers. Yeah. So now we're in spoiler territory. I'm going to give just a little quick uh, high-level overview of, of what happens basically in the movie with the, with the plot. So all these professors hanging out. One guy, he's uh, he's just quitting, quitting being a professor, giving up his tenure track job. Everybody's like, why are you doing that? And eventually, through joking around, playing around, he starts to say things about him having been alive a thousand years ago and just dropping little hints he said yeah i had the opportunity to sail with columbus but i wasn't quite sure i was pretty sure it was the world was round but i wasn't quite sure yet and everyone's like uh what what and then he's they're like are you just running something by us and he goes yeah pretend it's a, a science fiction thing let's let's go with it <laughs> professors are all like okay yeah you know I, I like thought experiments i'm a person that gets paid to think let's let's do this and eventually they get more and more incredulous about what he's telling them and his uh his assertion is that he is fourteen thousand years old and he has lived since then and he's had to every 10 years he packs everything up and he leaves because people start to notice that he's not aging and that has been bad for him in the past when he didn't do that um, and they start to, you know, they think he's joking. They ask questions and it, and it goes on and on. And we, uh, some of the characters get very, very mad at him for lying to them. These are people he's known for 10 years, it seems like, right? So some of them are kind of hurt that he's just dropping everything and leaving their friendship and, and their school behind. And he's telling them the reason is this bizarre story. Um, but these are, you know, a lot of them are, are very highly educated people. And so they're thinking, all right, if you're going to say that, let's try to prove you wrong let's learn more about your story poke holes in it um and so it takes us into some very very interesting things he uh what this isn't we'll get into it in a bit but i want to kind of hang on for a second into getting into he was a major historical figure at some point that's a claim he makes um and so before we get into that let's just talk about the first part is we're story we're sort of starting to learn uh this supposed background of this guy and I kind of wanted to ask you guys, so I know you're, neither of you are, are professors and we're not stuck in a little cabin somewhere with this guy telling you crazy shit. But if you were, how would you react to somebody that you've presumably known for a couple of years, start telling you some wild shit and he's very convincing and has an answer for every question? How would you guys have interacted with that? Hank, um, why don't you go first? It's, it's a hard question. You know, It's hard to put yourself in those shoes. But what I will say is that there are a number of characters that from the onset were like fuck no you need help let me go into the bathroom and call someone like pretty much from like you know square one um i think the yeah. uh the archaeology professor was was like kind of the big one i would not have been that guy because i'm never like hearing something and being like this so offends my sensibilities that i need to make a big deal i think i would have been more like dan that's like 
let's take this at face value. Let's see where this goes. And, you know, like, if I heard it devolving into, you know, his manifesto about needing to kill a celebrity or something, at that point I might start, like, <laughs> I start my, I might start saying, like, okay, let's get this guy some help. But it would take until about, you know, I, I think I would be willing to go with it until about then, you know? And, like, afterwards, mm-hmm. if I really thought that it was signaling there was something deeply wrong with this individual, you know, it might be time to, like, call someone. But for most of it, I think I'd be like, doesn't seem to be hurting anyone you know like so i i think that i i wouldn't believe him outright but i would be one of the professors that is more willing to kind of go along with it because it's way more interesting to go along with it than to have a hissy fit and go call your psychologist friend yeah keegan what about you what what would have been your reaction i think the first reaction is uh, a, I also did not know that they made Johnny Walker green, and I would also ask if he started before we got there. Uh, <laughs> and the other is like, I just, I think there's when you get professor, like decently written professor characters in there, there's like two approaches they're gonna take that we see. That's like, a, you question him and you move along with it, and you right, like you kind of maybe you don't accept it at face value, but you're like, you're going to entertain the idea at least, or you like cry and are like, or are like incredibly personally upset by this, which I think are like pretty dramatic outcomes. I guess I would say I've had friends or acquaintances make similarly stupid claims to me, potentially while intoxicated. And I think like, these are much less educated, much dumber people that I was around. So I think I was inclined always to like, take that middle ground approach and be like all right sure i don't believe you but whatever and i think like Mm -hmm. in the instance that i was a rat like i was a college professor i'm in a room with like five six other college professors i think it's like a very very different setting right where like if you've seen this guy for 10 years and you know he's highly educated you've seen he's like on the fast track supposedly to getting you know whatever the biggest promotion for his department is like i think that earns a little bit of weight in my in my book versus like some drunk college buddy yeah yeah for sure and what's what you know it's he's so convincing and in, in, in spinning this crazy story is that he's when he starts off it's all very reasonable stuff right he's not and and that's you know these characters are so great because one professor after he talks about what it's like living in the stone age and following game whenever the other professor goes oh here was it you know the th- temperature started to warm up and eventually you had the idea to do agriculture come on man this is out of any textbook and all he says is you're right even yours and you got most of it right just little <laughs> stuff like that that you're like man this he's very secure in this story he's telling he doesn't seem like he's lying at all and that just makes it weirder and weirder and weirder because it gets crazier and crazier yeah specifically too there's like at least i'm trying to remember the exact characters involved but there's like at least one character that's like say i don't believe you and he's like that's fine you know <laughs> like, like <laughs> yeah it, like and i i think that that response you know like it, it's it's kind of easy to lie your way into like yeah that's fine but you know if he's not lying like what a place of like solidity like what a convincing way to reply to that because you know like if it really is true it doesn't really matter if they believe him you know he's seeing his friends mm-hmm. off you know so anyway well like when he had that moment that was kind of like a very believable moment for me i was thinking like you know even if he's lying you know that might you know convince some people a little bit because you know most liars you know they'll try and convince you and this guy's just like no oh, don't worry about it it's fine you don't need to believe me no skin off my it pulls back. you in man you're like oh yeah. well, damn it maybe you are right <laughs> you want to yeah. keep poking and prodding and it was w- and he and 
Oh, I was ahead. just saying it's weird because up, you know, until that moment, I was kind of like trying to figure out if this was a drama about him like lying to his friends and upsetting them greatly, or if it was a drama about him living for fourteen thousand years. And when he <laughs> said that, I have to say that I, as the viewer, was kind of like, "Oh, he's not lying." <laughs> yeah, little little things like that where it's you know there was. Um... You know, they ask him, they ask him pointed questions about historical events or times. And he says, you got to remember, it's one guy, one man's experience. I didn't know. I wasn't the smartest guy. I didn't know more than anybody else. I didn't learn I was a Cro-Magnum until science discovered and gave a name to Cro-Magnums, right? And all of that is just like, ah, that, I feel like if you were making this up for any reason, that's not how you would approach it. You, you wouldn't have yeah. all of this reasoning kind of stuff. And he's got to answer for everything. When they first come in in the movie, um, there's like a Stone Age relic, like a tool, a stone, to, a bone tool, I think it is. And um, wh- they ask him where he got it. This is before he's told them he's a caveman, right? <clears throat> and he goes, thrift shop, actually, like two bucks. And then one of the guys is saying, uh, one of the guys is saying, yeah, the archaeologist, that's exactly what that is. And you find it for the shop. How lucky, blah, 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 blah. So the story goes on. He tells them the story a little bit. And they ask him again about that tool. And he goes, thrift shop. And the guy's like, you could have lied about that, right? He could have lied and said this was a tool he's carried with him the whole time. And he didn't and he didn't do it. And it could have given some credibility to his story. And he didn't do it. And just little moments like that where he just seems like a very believable character. So after he's wound us up with all these crazy stories, you know, he uh, was talking about he lived in, he was a Sumerian for 2,000 years and then a, went, became a Babylonian and he was fleeing people, figuring out he was old and worried he was a vampire and shit. And then he says stuff just like, you know, lived under Hammurabi, great man. And that's when he starts to mention historical characters that have some weight or that people are going to know. It's no longer just, you know, woods and villages and hunting. And... That's when the story starts to get really weird and really starts to pull your credibility. So that's kind of the, the second half of the movie. And that's what I, I think we should really talk about is he says, for our listeners that haven't seen the movie, he says that he uh, he traveled east, kept going east because he thought it'd be warmer because where the sun comes from. He ended up in India and he was very lucky, he says, to have been there during the time of the Buddha. And someone says, what do you mean lucky? And he goes, greatest man I ever met. <laughs> He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Everyone's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're saying you studied with the Buddha? And he goes, I studied with the Buddha, man. And then he eventually made his way back to Europe where he'd been from originally. He uh, saw he was an Etruscan and then he became a Roman, but didn't like what Rome was doing. So he went to try to get away from Rome, went to the Middle East, the Levant. And he started trying to teach a little bit about what the Buddha had been teaching him, things he learned from the Buddha. And in doing so, he got he got caught up in some shit. Next thing you know, after he's teaching people some of these spiritual things that he's got, all of a sudden he is crucified on a cross. He doesn't scar, so they thought he was dead, but he you know has a great immune system or some shit. Put him in the cave. He tried to escape that night. His followers were there, and thus he was resurrected as Jesus Christ. And the biblical literist art historian lady goes straight to that's fucking blasphemy. That is not true. You are not that dude. And he's like, it's it's honestly, the real story is pretty simple. A lot of myths been added all, you know, 
and eventually they go into, he says, you know, at later times in history, he had to pretend to be a Christian. He had to pretend to do all the Christian stuff. And it was him. It was him they were talking about the whole time. So we get into real contentious stuff for the characters that are, are in the movie. And I think for a lot of people that might watch the movie, given whatever religious beliefs they may hold. How did you guys feel about them going that far? Because they start to tease it, right? They say, were you someone famous in history? And he goes, kind of. And then they're like, you know, eventually someone says someone from the Bible. And he's like, kind of. And they start guessing like Moses. And he goes, man, that was just a Sumerian predecessor thing. And he goes, one of the apostles. And he goes, they weren't really apostles. They were just, they didn't teach. They just kind of followed, followed around. And he goes, wait, how do you know that about the apostles? And then we revealed that he was Jesus. And the whole time they're building that up, I'm thinking they're not going to do it. They're not going to have him say he was Jesus. That's the obvious choice. It's going to raise so many issues, but they do it. And, and I think they do it in a, in a pretty, a pretty believable way. What did you guys think? Were you happy that they went that far? Did you think it was a, a bridge too far or did they, did it seem like a believable tale of a, of a, of a Jesus? Um, I'll go first. That's okay with you, Keegan. Yeah, so I watched it, and like you said, I was like, ah, they're not going to do it. They're not going to make him Jesus. They're going to pull a fast one on us. They're going to be like, he was Judas, or he was Lazarus, or, you know, like some other biblical figure <laughs> that's, like, still, like, you know, involved, but not necessarily the big man, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they did it, and I was like, oh, that was an easy one. I would have come up with that. <laughs> You know, if I was writing a story about a dude that lived 14,000 years and, you know, was around then, like, I would pick Jesus. And I I thought it was kind of the easy way out at first. But the way they they played it, you know, where he was like, no, dude, it was like, I I talked some shit on a hill and then they, like, tied me to a post and people made a big old fuss about it. You know, I thought that was, like, (laughs) the best way they could have done the Jesus story because I think that, uh... You know, like, it a little bit vibes with, like, what we know from history where, you know, we're like, yeah, you know, Jesus was, you know, probably a person, probably wasn't the son of God. You know, uh, I, I, I thought that, you know, kind of when he said he was Jesus, my worry was that they would try and kind of, like, build in, like, some of the myth into what he actually did as Jesus. But what he said he did as Jesus mm. was, like, pretty much stuff that we feel like fairly confident about from like a historical standpoint at least to some degree you know like we think there might have been a guy that was jesus who might have like taught some people some things um we don't really think that like you know the 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 nativity story is necessarily accurate and stuff like that he doesn't mention mary and joseph you know like he doesn't like make up this whole mythology as to how he became jesus he just kind of sticks with the facts and he's like yeah and other people made up the other shit and that's totally believable because we have tons of historical figures where stuff like that has happened like uh even in the non-christian world like in the viking world there are historical figures where we have tons of stories about them but like really it was a bunch of people and their stories just ended up taking on the same name you know and that seems kind of similar to what happened with to him with being jesus like he did one part of it and then there were a bunch of other stories that kind of got conglomerated into it and that's the whole thing so i thought the way they actually ended up handling it which you know seems fairly consistent with how history has actually worked a lot of the time was actually really kind of cool because it was just a lot more restrained and nuanced than i expected it to be i expected it to be a lot more heavy-handed not to say that it wasn't kind of heavy-handed you know they did the whole like yeah they you know they they follow the text not the message and it's like yeah everyone knows that about christianity like it's not really that like jaw-dropping to think about it that way but the way they handled it 
with uh with respect to the historicity of the actual events that that was pretty tasteful to me i was like okay you know if you're going to make him be jesus and you already have a supernatural element don't try and like bring in other supernatural elements out of out of thin air and they didn't and i thought that was really cool so at first i was like a eh, cheap shot but after I, I got on board with it as it went on yeah keegan what about you yeah, I thought I wasn't super opposed to the idea of him being Jesus, like like you had explained uh, in your lead up. I think it's like an interesting take that he's not the son of God. He's somebody who, you know, learned from Buddha and traveled and tried to share some of those things, and he was vilified for it. Uh, I think it's an interesting take on on the story of Christ. Um, and I guess I don't like begrudge the story for making him the Jesus character. But one thing that I do think kind of takes me out of it and actually make me like maybe believe that this actually might be a pretty well-trodden story that he's told before and not entirely true is i just i don't like the idea that they kind of name drop historical figures in and the first big one that they do is columbus when he he first poses like oh i was a cave like what if we knew a caveman right and they kind of play around with it and then they like talk about columbus and he goes i, I sailed with him and they're like wait now we're moving this into you. You're the guy we were just talking about. And he mm -hmm. talks about Columbus. And I like if we're to believe the story at face value, which I think we can suspend suspend disbelief a little bit and think like maybe it is, or at least entertain it. Like I just, I don't know if it sticks with the amount of respect to say that he worked with, you know, he sailed with Columbus. He, he could have, he could have. He could have. He studied under Siddhartha. And he was friends with Van Gogh, who gave him a special one-off painting. Like, I just mm -hmm. don't necessarily... I think, like, it, it treats the premise of him being Jesus Christ in a very respectful and plausible manner. But you kind of fuck that up when you say, like, he also met a bunch of other historical figures along the way. Like, there's millions of historical figures that are, like, you know, people that will be looked on as historical figures that are alive in our current time that I've never met. I met Mike Rowe on a plane one time, right? Like, <laughs> that's just, even if you had 14,000 years, I don't necessarily believe that you would meet all these enormous figures. So the, the idea of him, to your question, being Jesus Christ is interesting to me, and I actually liked it a lot. It didn't take me out, but I think okay. how they got to it with the other big names really bothered me. Yeah, yeah. I... Yeah. I tend to agree with you there, and I think actually I want to take it a step further and say that uh, him meeting Jesus was the only interesting, or him being Jesus was the only interesting historical action that they kind of posited he had. Um, you know, him meeting mm -hmm. Columbus or, you know, potentially being able to sail with Columbus, him meeting Van Gogh, him maybe having met Hammurabi, you know, he said he was a great man. Like, all of those things added really nothing to the story. He could have excluded those points and, like, just lived in those times, and I would have been just as convinced. Yeah. Him being Jesus was actually kind of interesting because he had some interesting perspectives on some of the beliefs people in the room held. And I felt like it was kind of cheapened by them, you know, saying the shit about Columbus, Van Gogh, Hammurabi. Um, which feels weird to say because like i'm actually interested in all those people from a historical standpoint like i would love to hear about them but they weren't those historical characters weren't used to add anything other than just kind of like yeah. little yeah. little breadcrumbs you know to the central you know these yeah. guys yeah <laughs> you've seen a van gogh <laughs> yeah I, I i i feel the same way i and you know they they don't they don't address that question directly but you know they ask the question they go to the biologist and he goes okay how could you live forever and he goes all right well 
the body gets old because you know your cells are constantly replicating and you do that trillions of times there's going to be a mistake and these things are how the aging process kind of works and in some ways not always but um or you need there's a lot of waste that accumulates in the body that so you have to have a perfect immune system but assuming those things like biologically yeah it could it could work right mm -hmm. and so they they don't do that explicitly with those points but i, I will say that you know he says he, he was Sumerian for 2000 years and then became a Babylonian. And, you know, if you there's all these Sumerian kings and stuff we know about, he didn't mention them. But if he lived there for 2000 years, they would have been around. Right. So just like by being there, you would have been in closer proximity to historical figures than seems realistic. The only the only ones the Van Gogh was always I feel like everybody that happened to be living in France at that point somehow was friends with Van Gogh. I feel like that's a very <laughs> like there's that lady. She's like the longest lived human in history is a French lady. And she like knew Van Gogh. Like and they, they, supposedly that's true. They like verified that. But like, come on, really? Like, so yeah, I, I, I totally take your point And it does make the Jesus thing a little bit a little bit more difficult. I, I will say about just portraying Jesus in this way, in a way that the art history professor lady and um, I think a lot of other people would f just doing that, claiming your Jesus and things like that. He's gonna he says he'll give a new New Testament in a hundred words or less. That it could be very offensive to a lot of people. But I thought what kind of made it work for me was he really stuck to the Jesus script. And if you look at the things that multiple different accounts say, these are literally what Jesus said or did. And so he treats the figure of Christ, which is him, supposedly, with a lot of respect and really focuses on a lot of the core messaging that we think if Jesus was a real person, he actually said. And so I think that gives respect to it in, in a way. But I, I, I just wanted to touch on it because I think a lot of people could hear that that's what's in the movie and f be offended without even actually listening to it. So. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll say, like, so, I don't think their handling of the Jesus topic was actually very disrespectful at all like even if you're like i don't think we have like a whole lot of biblical literalists around these days and and those like some of those we do you know like they believe in leviticus too like let's let's you know let them be in their own little <laughs> um but like i don't i don't think there's anything that like a, a, a relatively modern christian would really be offended by in this and i really had no problems with how they handled the jesus part it was really the other parts that I took issue with. Um, and it wasn't mm. like a matter of respect or anything. It was just like, you've made me suspend my disbelief so far and I am there. It, but they just took me like a little bit further than I was able to, to like reach comfortably um, with, you know, mm -hmm. with some of the other references, which feels weird because I feel like it should be harder to believe the Jesus bit. But he gave great reasons for like why that might be the case. Yeah. But Van Gogh, there's no reason he met Van Gogh. He wasn't like claiming to be like in art yeah. circles at the time or anything. So that was the problem. It wasn't like a matter of respect or anything. It was just like, don't make me like extend my disbelief further just so you can name drop. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent. So the last the last kind of thing I wanted to bring up, and then I'm, I'm happy to hear any other thoughts you guys wanted to talk about, um, was something that also makes him seem a very believable character is he has these little witty lines, little comebacks throughout the movie that it silences the room. And so there's one where I forget the setup for it, but there it's when he's revealed that he's Christ and he's, you know, he's sitting cross-legged on the floor and everyone's huddled around him. 
and uh, they do they, they make great use of, of sound in the film by having a, a speaker system that he's playing it's like one of the few things left in the house as he's moving out and that is the soundtrack often when they're playing stuff and then so anyway that's all going on very atmospheric we're talking about uh belief and what belief means and believing things without evidence because that's obviously very central to what's going on among for these characters and they talk about piety and he just with just without a, a thought just without missing a beat he's sitting there and he goes piety is not what the lessons are trying to bring to the people it's the mistakes the people bring to the lessons and everyone's like what the fuck is this guy talking about <laughs> and it's little things like that they're like this guy might have met the buddha i don't know man i don't know he just every once in a while has a little line like that that ev literally everybody including me was like i gotta think about that for uh, 30 seconds here to really think about what he's saying there were there any lines like that that caught you guys that you thought that's actually you know whoever wrote this that's actually a pretty a pretty clever thing yeah it's not quite the same level of like snappiness as that but there's a moment where someone i think it's actually the biblical literalist she says like okay where were you at 1392 ad and he just yeah. goes where were you a year ago today and she just shuts <laughs> up and he continues with his story i'm like that's so yeah, believable yeah. because like when she asks that you know like maybe he can remember but like any time he spends trying to remember is going to look like fabrication but he turns that back around on her maybe she can remember but similarly any you know it's going to look like she's fabricating her answer and so it's just a, such a brilliant turnaround and it also kind of like i know it kind of like drives home like the the central themes about memory that they're playing on where it's like you know like maybe i could m remember maybe i couldn't but like like the specifics are really not like kind of the core detail in his whole story and i love how like they addressed it like people might want to know the specifics but it can't really be answered and even if it could how interesting is it you know like like even if she could answer what was she doing a year ago today like who cares what does it prove yeah. also what would it, what yeah. it what would it prove even if she exactly could, you know how is she gonna prove that yeah yeah. yeah, Hank, you took mine. I really like that one too. That that went very like hand in hand with the conversation with the girl uh, that was brought along by the professor, where she's asking him about like, don't you remember any change or these things? You know, geography didn't change. I learned this from your class. And then, uh, you know, he says like, well, you know, go back to your childhood. Where did you grow up? Could you remember any direction from there? The market where it was? And she's all like, you know, this was only twenty years ago for her. And she just can't recall any of this, which is super interesting. But. So I guess I don't have any other like lines particularly that stuck out to me. But thinking about the movie now, talking through it, I think like one thing that I do really appreciate is that he care like he carries himself very much in a way that Jesus Christ or a man <laughs> yeah. that has learned from Buddha would. Like he's there's these small little like snippets where he just does things that are very caring for other people, right? He says some things that is very much distasteful to the physician and the physician says what if i kill you right now what if i pulled out a revolver and just shot you and you're like whoa this is getting really dramatic and it turns out after the physician storms off that his wife had just died the day before and so instead of you know, he just had his life threatened instead of feeling upset about this he goes out to him apologizes takes the gun from him you know sends him on his way and says to go for a drive and clear your head another thing is 
a student calls him and she's like, I'm very I'm concerned that I'm not going to pass your class. Do you have my grade? And then he checks and it says D on it. And he goes, you got a C plus, tell your parents not to worry. Right. And then he goes, what is a, what does a pre-med need with art history anyways, or with history? It doesn't even matter at all. Like he's just continually throughout the movie shows himself to be a very caring person. I think the last one that kind of takes us towards the tail end of the movie is that as people are starting to get progressively more upset and he starts to think that the story might be too much for them, people are starting to break and, and get kind of irate with him. He just, he drops the act. He, you know, this was all a lie. This is a story I've been working on. It's really fun. I might write it down at some point just to kind of give them some peace of mind. And mm -hmm. after that, he stands by the doorway with his love interest who doesn't buy any of it. She totally believes that he's Jesus and she kind of sees through him and realizes that he's just letting people down easy. And then we slowly get people trickling out and talking to him and you can see how they've been put at ease by his decision to let them know that, you know, to lie to them and say that this was all a big fabrication. So the Christian woman is, you know, she instantly comes around, she feels very relieved, she hugs him, gives him a kiss on the cheek, wishes him the best. And just everybody has a positive view of him leaving because he decided to just, you know, erase the idea from their minds that this was even a possibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're, um, <clears throat> the love interest is an interesting character, right? Uh, because it's exploring things that's because she believes him. She seems to know him the best. She believes him a hundred percent. And, um, she's upset that he's leaving, right? They're seeming to be dating. And she says, I love you. And he goes, and she asks, are you, are you just don't believe in love anymore? And he goes, I'm fond of you. I care about you, but I've gotten over love too many times. And that's stuff that that's the that's the stuff where you can bring that to your own life, right? Because imagine if you lived fourteen thousand years and nobody else does. Oh man, that it just changes your perspective on humans so much. And so you know they start they start to have a conversation where she's saying like. He goes, I can't give you forever. And she's like, what's forever? Anyway, my parents broke up before I was born. People, you know, die young. I'll take whatever you can give. And that I thought was super powerful and totally out of pocket, right? Just totally from a different perspective than the way the rest of the movie was going. What did you guys think about the love interest or about some of these other characters? Um, not did, did you think they added do you think they all added we talked about the art history lady but did you think the, all these characters were really adding stuff do you think it was helpful in the main story which is this guy's a fucking caveman yeah i i personally felt like i thought everyone was really adding something to the movie with two notable exceptions i thought the love interest just to speak to that really quick she was actually adding a lot because like how he actually related to other people rather than like what he could remember <laughs> throughout history was something that really only she was able to explore very well, and so I appreciated having her there. But there were two characters in the movie that I thought <clears throat> didn't really add anything, or maybe even couldn't really add anything. And those characters are, first of all, art history lady. Uh, I guess she added like a couple things about Van Gogh, but I think we've already established that I don't think they should have referenced Van Gogh. Um, yeah. The second character is the biologist, um, if he, if I were to say he added anything, I would say that he added some comic relief because he was kind of funny, but his mm -hmm. like biological explanations, I don't know much about biology, but even with my incredibly limited biological knowledge, his like, yeah, this could happen 
it sounded like bullshit and i would have been so much happier to just have it hand waved because he said something about like the guy's immune system i'm like i'm pretty sure it's not like the immune system that kills people of old age you know there are other things like maybe it is you know someone coming in but i'm sure there are other factors in there than just like oh yeah his immune system's pretty good i guess he lived fourteen thousand years you know there's something else there would have been so much more satisfying to have it hand waved and other than that like his biological knowledge was pretty much not used and the rest of the time he was just yeah. comic relief i'm like someone else could have given us comic relief like I'm, I'm i'm glad to have him there i i just i'm always ready to hand wave things and when you choose to try and explain them using like real world terms i'm like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> so yeah yeah i liked okay. most of the characters Keegan, what about except you? for those those two yeah <laughs> okay yeah no yeah. I, I think that's fair no i i didn't i think the art history lady added to the effect that I wish she was better written. And I think, like, if she wasn't there, I think, like, it would have been fun to just have this idea of, like, the academics quizzing Jesus Christ. But adding her just opens up so much more questions to me that I don't think the script was ready to handle. Um, and it just didn't, like, I, we've gone over it before, but I just don't think it gave enough respect to that perspective. Um, again, not, like, a huge issue with the movie it's still worth watching but um everyone else was fine to me i think the the biker archaeologist guy was a little grating at times because it seemed like he was purely just there to poke holes and get angry a lot but uh, i i still think he he earned his place but who i did really like and i think his name is dan is that candy man yeah it's dan the yeah, so I, I think Dan's character is really fun. It seems like he... I, like, love the bromance between Dan and John. I think they have, like, a really good buddy thing going on. They play off each other really well. I think Dan serves throughout most of the movie just to kind of ground the conversation, right? They'll start going off on these crazy directions, and he'll he'll kind of back up John certain times, right? And he'll, yeah. he'll play devil's advocate a lot. He's like... You know, mo- you know, Christianity is just Buddhism with a little bit of uh, Judaism spin on it, right? Like, it's just... And he, he'll kind of play defense a lot. So I thought he was really fun. And I think as people are exiting at the end, he's one of the ones that really is like, I know this was true, man. You know, hit, hit, send me a line sometime. We'll connect at a future point. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought his character was really fun. And he's like a, a big name, too, relative to the other actors. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'd seen Candyman in the Final Destination movies before. So I was happy yeah. to see him in something that wasn't like of the genre yeah no i recognize yeah, him too because i'm a horror fan yeah <laughs> <laughs> my my uh, my I, I agree with everything you guys said i thought i thought dan was a great character i loved all of his contributions um i also loved the psychiatrist um so that's richard real mm. i don't know how to pronounce his last name but i have seen him before and in, in a bunch of stuff and i thought he stole the show and it's a great character because he comes in late and he's like what's going on? And they're like, oh, uh, John says he's 14,000 years old. And he's like, oh, great. And he goes straight into his psychiatrist <laughs> mode. And then he's the first one to get John on his back feet. And John's starting to have, not to have trouble answering things, but just like he's definitely on the defensive now, right? And then he leaves because he pulls a gun on him. And then, you know, he comes back and he's like, all right, so what What did I miss? And they go, oh, well, John was Jesus. And he's like, <laughs> okay, great. And then John turns the psychiatrist thing and starts asking him questions. And, and he goes, oh, and how did that make you feel? And he goes, well, what did you think the reason was? And he just turns it totally around on him. So I thought their relationship was great. But that brings me to I, the, the end of the movie. What did you guys think about the ending? Because for our listeners and the ending – the psychiatrist guy whose whose wife had just passed away from cancer the day before he uh, as they're leaving he overhears john telling the love interest about you know 60 years ago when i was living in boston i, I used this funny name 
Boston tea parte or whatever. <laughs> and, and they're laughing about it. And the psychiatrist guy comes out and he goes, John T. Parte turns out John, AKA Jesus is a psychiatrist dad who ran out on him. And at, and the psychiatrist, that guy then has a fucking heart attack and dies but before <laughs> he dies. He says the John is feeling terrible and he goes, I had to leave. You know, I had to leave, but I left enough. I left enough money for you guys to be OK because he was a little kid. And he goes and the psychiatrist guy is like having chest pains. And he goes, we had a dog before I was born. And he goes, woofy. And he goes, woofy. Ah! And he, so and that was the first real corroboration we got for the entire story. Did you guys like that they added that or would you have rather it have just been a mystery still? Holy, holy unnecessary addition in my part or in my opinion um i think it added absolutely nothing to the story and the mystery is a really fun part of it um if i had to compare it to something uh, i can't remember the name of the episode right now but there's a very very famous uh twilight zone episode uh starring william shatner uh, wherein William Shatner sitting on a plane and he keeps on thinking he's seeing something on the wing and he's trying to alert people to it and they're all like there's nothing on the wing and he's like no it's going to destroy the plane it's going to bring us all down and like the mystery of like is it happening is it all in William Shatner's mind that's like really central to it and at the end of the episode they show that there is actually damage done to the wing by this thing and it kind of like it's still a good episode but it kind of ruins it because it takes away the central mystery and I think it's the exact same thing here. The central mystery was interesting on its own. And when you go like, yeah, he actually just did, you know, live 14,000 years. It's like, oh, so everything he said was was pretty much true. Great. You know, like now we can write it off. And I don't yeah. I don't have any interest in writing it off. I, I would have liked to think about it. But like as soon as you do that, it's like, OK, nice bow on it. We're done. Um, and I think that kind of limits the film's ability to linger with you. Um, a little bit if you take that ending is like something that is like an essential part of the film and so for that reason i think they should have cut it before that i think they should have had will walk out and you know go away and you know maybe john could have said like yeah that guy's my son and that would have been more interesting than having it confirmed to me yeah yeah keegan yeah no i actually it's very funny hey i had a similar thought uh so i'll, I'll draw a similar comparison uh so twin peaks is like again one of my favorite pieces of pop culture of all time uh the whole premise of the show for the first two seasons is that uh the homecoming queen had been killed there's supernatural elements there we bring in an fbi agent from out of town and we're gonna see who who killed laura palmer and that's the question is who killed laura palmer it drives the first two seasons um and one of my favorite interviews with david lynch who directed this is he's saying like he eventually in the second season was pushed by ABC um, executives to reveal that Laura Palmer was killed by her father. It's not a very interesting take. They do some fun things with it later in season three, but they have to work around it from a writing perspective. And in an interview that I really like with David Lynch, he always talks about how the idea of who killed Laura Palmer is this beautiful golden goose egg. And no, it's supposed to be up on a shelf. You're always meant to chase it and think about it and wonder on it, but it's never meant to be revealed or open because that spoils the entire desire around wanting the golden goose egg or even having any interest in the golden goose egg, right? And very similarly here, right? With these kinds of, you know, we talked about like Twilight Zone, Twin Peaks, this movie, with these kinds of high concept storytelling, I think what's fun is the ability to go back and watch them after a couple years, learn new things from them and spend time away from it, thinking about different elements that you've, you know, you're seeing from a different perspective or like really contextualizing it in your own mind and thinking through it and noodling on it. And 
all of that leaves when you completely just give it away and you spell things out to the audience. Like you said, it puts a nice bow on it and it makes it, you know, more short-term fulfilling, but it loses a lot of that like fun analysis that you get to do for the years afterwards. So I don't think a lot less of the movie for it, but I really wish they left it out. Like overall, I still think this is a great experience that I never would have approached otherwise, but it did super bum me out that that was in it. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same mind as you guys that I, I didn't I didn't I didn't need that. I, I, I was already like on the train. Like if I was one of those people and at the end, they're all like, you know, he tells them it was all a joke. And they're like, OK, well, see you never. I'm like, <laughs> what? I need. No, no, no. Are you are you kidding me? This is like just just for the historical facts alone. I'm going to hang out with this guy from now on. So, yeah, to I, it didn't add anything for me. I already was very interested, and I didn't. we didn't need the bow. It was already pretty as it was. Well, what makes it worse, so that that's whatever, right? But what makes it worse is when I looked this up, there's two movies. There's yeah. The Man from Earth, I, uh, uh, Elysium or something? I, I thought we'd agreed not to Policine. talk about the uh, the second. Wasn't, wasn't okay. that implicit? All right, I won't <laughs> go into it. I, yeah. I read the IMDb blur, but it's, it's a very similar thing to just very much spelling out the the existence of him being jesus christ yeah it does it's it doesn't add anything it was the same director and i think the son of the guy who wrote the original um and they it has nothing to do with the ideas that they talk about at all everything to do with crazy people going crazy upon hearing <laughs> this this story like that that's all it is the only fun thing that i will that i will say it's a little okay spoilers if you're gonna go watch uh man from earth holocene um the although you find out right in the beginning so the biker professor the the archaeologist after this john leaves he starts to do some research and he finds a paper trail going back like 100 years and he goes holy shit who writes a book everyone thinks he's crazy he loses his whole career and he can never like no one cares at all that he's done it and he just is like a crazy a crazy asshole about it so that's the only one positive thing they added was that that guy like yeah. yeah But okay, so anything else you guys want to talk about before we do ratings and uh, and what we're going what we're doing next week? Now I've cleared my notes. Okay, great. Well, let's go on to ratings. Keegs, you wanna you wanna start us off? Would you recommend the movie and, and how good do you think it was? Yes, I. Let me think on this really quick. I have to do some quick math, and to come to my score. All right, I'm ready. So, uh, overall, yeah, I, I like this movie a lot. And this is, like, <laughs> being three guys that really like movies, I'm sure that we are often told to check out movies by friends and family. Like, hey, you like movies. You like pretentious stuff. You should check this out. <laughs> you should check out ABC. You do a podcast. You should watch this. And oftentimes I'll watch a trailer. I'll read a little bit about something. And I'm like, this looks awful. I'm sorry. I'm not ever going to engage with this. And I... So I heard this and it's just nothing about this got me really excited. And I would say to viewers that are in the same place, like it's not the sexiest thing to approach from a premise perspective. Like it's it's an older movie, it's small budget, but man, it it, it poses some really, really interesting questions. And I'm really happy that I, I took the less than 90 minutes to sit there and, and noodle on a really fun movie that, you know, plays out much like a like a stage play. So I'm super stoked that you recommended it. I know you guys kind of had that spiel about burning. So this is like a great thing for me to come out of doing this podcast. If I had to give it a rating, I would give it 96 over 120 anthropological boners. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that number, sorry to cut you off. That number was derived. That's eight out of 10, but I just multiplied each by 12 for the 12 apostles. (laughs) Nice. I like that. That's a sexy rating system. 
So uh, I'm going to give my rating now. First of all, would recommend the movie. Um, honestly, beyond that, I don't have a lot to add beyond what Keegan has already said. You know, wouldn't have watched it on my own, but it does pose some really interesting questions. Um, that said, I do have some issues with it, so it's not going to get like a perfect score. I think that I would give it like seven out of 11 charismatic cavemen. <laughs> nice nice well i i recommended it i'm so glad that you guys you guys liked it that's why when i was I, I introduced it last week i was like don't read anything about it don't look at the cover art it's all none of it does it justice to what it's actually doing because it's all about questions and you can't put that in a blurb um so for me i gave it one out of one woody allen blowing out fourteen thousand candles on a cake impersonation so that's one of my favorite parts of the movie it was to come out come out, he goes with the blowing constant for years with the blowing with the blowing so i love i love the movie i encourage anybody that wants to see a sci-fi play to go watch it i think for a two hundred thousand dollar budget nothing nothing i would critique them on just given how tiny the budget was so with that uh we'll talk about what we're doing next week what are we watching next week guys we are going to be watching uh, a new Netflix animated movie called The Mitchells vs. The Machines. Uh, this is a movie that has a huge all-star cast. Uh, the animation looks amazing. Just to read a couple people that you might know. Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, Eric Andre, Olivia Colman, Fred Armisen, mm-hmm. Chrissy Teigen, John Legend. The list goes on. This looks absolutely hilarious. It's getting great buzz already. Uh, we'll be watching that. I'll read the blurb really quickly. Um... A quirky, dysfunctional family's road trip is upended when they find themselves in the middle of the robot apocalypse and suddenly become humanity's unlikeliest last hope. Again, that's on Netflix, and that is what we'll be watching next week for our A-Week. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, my, uh, my film news comes pretty exclusively from horror genre sites, so I've heard nothing <laughs> about this movie um, <laughs> until literally this moment. Um, yeah, me too. So, really yeah, no i i, I like yeah. with such a list of names behind it i'm like i would have heard about something eric andre was doing or danny bride or but uh <laughs> well it's really funny so eric andre did an interview on jimmy kimmel and jimmy kimmel was like he read that same list and he's like man this is a crazy cast you got to work with and eric andre is like i had no fucking clue until you literally just read that to me right now and jimmy kimmel goes <laughs> what and he goes here's what happened three years ago they mailed me like two thousand dollars worth of recording equipment they sent me the movie without any audio and i just recorded it like 15 times while watching it and i would just read the lines and then i sent them my audio files and then three years later i gotta go to all these cast parties (laughs) (laughs) what a cool job that's the best job i've ever heard yeah if anyone likes my voice enough to do that you know i'll do that for you you send me the gear and uh send me the movie i'll I'll get it knocked out in a week (laughs) (laughs) awesome i'm excited to watch that thank you everybody for listening Uh, if you want more from us go to rotatingreels.com check out our patreon there's tons of great content there about to uh, upload our next one later this week so go check it out thanks again everybody